0: The Atlanta Athletic Club, a history, was written by Charles Elliott in 1973. For a glimpse into what Mr. Elliott was like, we turn to something written by Sid Matthews called Log on the Fire with Charlie Elliott. On the way to the Georgia Golf Hall of Fame dinner in Augusta, one has to pass by Covington where Charlie Elliott puts a log on the fire in case a friend might pass his way. It's a zigzag route to Flat Rock Trail and then to a ranch house. Next to the house, in the corner of the driveway, is a small building with a sign, Pout House. It was named by R.W. Woodruff, who told Charlie what he should name it, and Charlie then put all his hunting and fishing artifacts there. Charlie usually did whatever Woodruff suggested, like rewrite his biography, after Woodruff read the first try by another author titled The Boss. He really didn't care for it. And Charlie came up with a more appropriate effort at an impossible task with the title Mr. Anonymous. It presents the man as a generous human being, rather than an iron-fisted dictator of the Coca-Cola empire. Charlie was more than just a close friend of Woodruff's. On the boss's birthday, Charlie would routinely receive a birthday present of a tidy sum. The boss gave others a gift on his birthday, reversing the usual custom. Charlie's den is unique. It seems like you're really deep in the woods, even though you're really inside a nice house. A stuffed squirrel, pine cones, nuts, and rocks are on the mantel. A giant bear head and skin are on the floor. Antlers in velvet and other large horns on the walls. Shotguns in the cabinet. Old ones. An old royal typewriter on the desk. A complete run of 40 years of outdoor life in the bookcase. And prints by Dom Lupo of Bob Jones behind his desk. The prints are signed by Bobby Jones himself. Even you can swing better than this, Charlie, and to my best fishing buddy. Bob Jones was an avid bird watcher and talked about them for hours with Charlie. One day, Bob told Charlie that there was a bird singing Figaro or Vigoro or some such, and he couldn't identify him. Bobby couldn't figure it out, so Charlie went over to his place to listen. It was a blue jay. So much for the opera lesson. Charlie knew O.B. Keeler well, too. Keeler loved to recite from a parody on opera called The Opera Guide by Newman Levy. It had some hilarious spoofs on operas. Keeler's humor was brought home to Charlie when he looked up from a short putt and spotted a few robins eating some seeds not far away. How in the world can anyone concentrate when there are robins stomping all over the place? Keeler shouted in a gleeful takeoff from P.G. Wodehouse. Charlie never tires of the outdoors. After all, he wrote for 40 years as editor of Outdoor Life. He loves the story of Herbert L. Stoddard of Thomasville, who could tell if bad weather was coming because the quail he shot had seeds stuck in their throat. They were trying to gorge themselves while knowing there would be foul weather. Sure enough, it snowed that night, even though the weather prediction was the other way. This reminded one of the story of the goats at Lahinch in Ireland. When the goats were in the fields, it would be fine weather. But when the goats huddled next to the clubhouse, it always rained or turned nasty, just like clockwork. Charlie and Bob played a lot of golf together at East Lake. Charlie well recalls the day he shot his best round with Jones as his partner. Actually, Charlie just came along one day to practice, and he was sitting on the porch when Bob Jones came up. Charlie, would you like to play a little game today, Bob asked. Apparently, Jones had Sneed or Nelson, and Charlie Yates was supposed to play. Somebody canceled, so Bobby asked me if I'd fill in. I said, Bob, you know I don't play that kind of golf. But Bobby kept after me. You won't embarrass yourself. Besides, I'll take you as my partner. Charlie reluctantly agreed. He then shot the best round of his golfing life, a 68. Funny thing, I never figured in a hole, Charlie chuckled. Bob shot 64. Charlie remembers the first occasion he was privileged to play the Augusta National. He says he wasn't wealthy enough to join, but he was friendly with Lewis and Prosper Berkman's as well as Bobby Jones. Just before the course was formally opened in January 1933, a group flew a plane over, landed on a fairway, and played the course around to where the plane was. Then they took off and went back home. After the onset of Bob Jones' neurological affliction, Charlie provided Jones with a lightweight shotgun to help compensate for his loss of strength. After several episodes of Bob inadvertently shooting in the air, he put the gun down, never to shoot again. He was too worried that his shaky hands would discharge the gun at the wrong moment. So both of them took to the lakes in search of the elusive bass. Many lessons were reinforced on those occasions. As they fished in Sinclair Lake on one trip, Bob Jones told Charlie, A bass just hit into a school of shad on that next point. Charlie never reacted. He just kept trolling on the same flat for another five minutes. Jones piped up again. There's a bass feeding on that point. Let's go catch him. Charlie had to answer matter-of-factly, I've never caught a fish on that point. Well, drawled Jones, you've never drowned either. There's always a first time. Charlie moved the boat over to the point Jones referred to, and Charlie described what happened. This largemouth hit the bomber so hard that the rod bucked in Bob's hands. He leaned against his glass pole to set the hooks, and the surface broke open, catapulting a silvery, twisting chunk of fish flesh into the air. My partner did a picturesque job of landing our first catch of the day, a chunky seven-pounder which came to the boat as though he didn't like the idea at all. Charlie looked at Bob and thought. Bob had followed through on one of the first and most important rules of fishing for largemouth bass. To catch them, you gotta be where they are. They're in the water somewhere. They ain't equipped to go ashore and hide behind a pine tree. Another day, Charlie and Bob made an expedition to Lake Chatuga near Hiawassee in North Georgia. They carried a large quantity of lures and a couple dozen live minnows in a bucket. After fishing a spot for quite a spell with both artificial lures and some live minnows, but without luck, they decided to weigh anchor for another spot. Charlie gunned the outboard motor and took off. Then he remembered the minnow bucket. The line had snapped, and by the time they reached the bucket, it had gone down in 60 feet of water. Jones looked deadpan over to Charlie and quipped, You're the only fella I ever fished with that carried out more fish than he brought back. During that same trip, Charlie got a golf lesson, cleverly disguised as a fishing lesson. As he watched Charlie casting his rod, Jones remarked, You cast just like you hit a golf ball. You're not the best I ever saw, but what I mean is that the action of that rod tip when you throw a line has the same general swing as the head of a golf club when you hit the ball. A fisherman has the same backswing and follow-through as a golfer. From that lesson, Charlie figured that a fast backswing impairs the distance and accuracy of both. When he slowed down, he did better at both fishing and golfing. Jones had some mind. Before long, Charlie constructed a special boat for Jones. It featured a swivel seat that permitted Bob to get at his lunch, tackle box, bait, and anything else. One day, a huge dock worker lifted Jones's crippled body from the stairs into the boat seat and couldn't help asking, Pardon me for saying so, Mr. Jones, but it's hard for me to believe, as crippled as you are, that you won the Grand Slam, and you were once the greatest golfer who ever lived. Jones looked at his friend and replied wryly, yeah, it wasn't easy. Charlie wrote the original history of East Lake. He also wrote the columns in Outdoor South for 50 years. Then, too, are the books. Charlie has written 15 of them, and they are all good fun. Books like Mr. Anonymous, Robert W. Woodruff of Coca-Cola, Turkey Hunting with Charlie Elliott, The Outdoor Eye, The Prince of Game Birds, Gone Hunting, Gone Fishing, and dogs, geese, and grizzly bears. One of Charlie's best friends, Mr. R.W. Woodruff, was the source of some good stories contained in Mr. Anonymous. Actually, Woodruff was indeed and fact a modest man, and shrewd, too. He was asked to be on the cover of Time magazine, but seizing a good marketing coup, he persuaded them to put a caricature of the world drinking a Coke on the cover instead. He gave so much money to charities that Atlanta Mayor Hartsfield remarked, The identity of Mr. Anonymous is the worst-kept secret in America. Woodruff's philosophy of life was that a man lost a lot of life's enjoyment by taking himself too seriously. To compensate for this, he played his fair share of practical jokes on his friends. On one occasion, Mr. Woodruff and Atlanta Mayor Hartsfield brought two uniformed policemen to an illicit poker game at the Capitol City Club. The cops went in first. You're all under arrest, one said. For what, someone inquired. For gambling, he was told. Games of chance are illegal. Abby Cohen, a friend of the schemers, looked calmly up at the cops. Ain't nobody in this poker game taking a chance in four hours, he grunted. Woodruff began laughing so hard, the ruse was quickly uncovered. The best fishing trip Charlie ever took was to Cuba in the 1950s, just before Fidel Castro took over. A pristine spot called the Great Zapata Lake had been fished only by the likes of Ernest Hemingway and a handful of other knowledgeable sportsmen. Charlie and Georgia Tech football coach Bobby Dodd and some others went to check it out. They rented an entire railroad owned by a sugar mill operation to carry their boats, motor, and gear. The railroad wheels were under swamp water traveling much of the way to the lake. When they got unloaded and began fishing, it was an astonishing experience. Each of them caught a fish on almost every cast. and Before long, Charlie hooked into a huge tarpon that almost flopped into the boat on top of him. Charlie saw one bass that was in the 30-pound range. The fish was too smart for Charlie to catch him despite all of his tricks and resources. The group fished to their heart's content for several days. Then, after several days of throwing the fish back, the mill superintendent asked if they could bring a few fish in for the Cuban natives. The Georgians happily complied by filling up a flatbed railroad car full of fish that fueled a several-day fish fry. Regretfully, Castro took over the lake in later years and ruined it. Seems Fidel had more fun shooting blue herons with his automatic rifle than tugging on a fishing line. Charlie has put in plenty of service to the outdoors and its preservation. He has served variously as Director of Georgia State Parks, Director of the Georgia Game and Fish Department, Commissioner of National Resources and Eastern Director for the National Park Service. His friend Tommy Barnes was always envious. He jokes that he never saw Charlie work a day in his life. Charlie had so much fun in his job that his work must have seemed like fun to others, like Tommy. Charlie was recently honored in 1997 by the Georgia Department of Natural Resources, who named their $1.5 million wildlife center after him. And at age 91... He has played nine holes at East Lake in March 1998 on the restored course. He first joined the club in 1935. We just hope he keeps coming back with that big old smile. A smile that says, it don't get much better than this, Padna. Leaving Charlie's place, recalled the Robert Frost poem. Whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. The woods are lovely dark and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep. Charlie Elliott died on May 2nd, 2020. During his 93 years, he was a forester, a bureaucrat and a writer. As part of his enduring legacy, he left us with his book the Atlanta Athletic Club, a history.